It's such a great privilege to be with you again today. Uh, I have been here before. I've met Ray, my friend Ray. We've had shared some conversations. It's great to see my good brother and uh, friend Winston. And uh, the last time that I was here, I was uh, among a choir. So I didn't stand out, hopefully. <laughs> but now today I come back as a chosen vessel, chosen by God to speak to you. And I don't take this privilege easily or lightly. I am a preacher's son. And I grew up in a preacher's home. And I know that sometimes it's been said that preacher's kids end up being the most troublesome. I promised my dad, and I promised my God, and I promised my wife and my kids that I would endeavor to make a difference as a preacher's kid. And so today I don't stand here as a preacher's son. I stand here as a servant of God, ready to be used by God as he sees fit in his own way. I ask for your prayers because this morning I woke up at 3 o'clock in the morning, not because that's what I had planned to do, although it was good, certainly, but the weather is changing now, and I was sharing with my brother James and Scott that for some reason or another, uh, I tend to suffer from allergies at the beginning of the season. And I do suffer from allergies for a little while, and then they go away. And so this morning, it just happened to be one of those days. And I got up out of bed and said, Lord, not today. <laughs> you have something to do with me today. So please, Lord, would you hold it back and make it possible for me to deliver your message. And so as we were coming down the 401, the highway 401, I worried about the traffic because this happens to be the day when everybody is going somewhere. And where they are going, you don't know. But you can't question because I was also going somewhere. And so if they have a right to go somewhere, I, if I have a right to go somewhere, they too have a right to go somewhere. I bring you greetings from my dad. I spoke to him yesterday, and he's the old-time pastor. He said, please, when you get there, give those children of God my greetings. He says he's retired but not tired. And so he still preaches the word of God. He has never lost that calling that God gave him to do. This morning, my brothers and sisters, I have chosen to speak on the subject, you just can't stop yet. You just can't stop yet. I believe that the word of God is chock filled with imagery and illustrations, but one of those things that stands out and appears prevalent in the word of God throughout the Bible is the metaphor of an enemy. In our life, or our lives as Christians, we know that there are all kinds of enemies who are up against us. Which is funny because we come to church to look for peace. We sometimes just want peace. Those of you who live out here have a little bit better life than we do because out in the city, people are in a hurry going somewhere. Where they're going, you don't know. 
But as we experience this thing called the Christian life, surely there should be places, I believe, where the enemy used to drive us crazy, but doesn't anymore. Do I have a witness? Where the naggings of Satan can no longer disrupt the joyful experiences of living. And it's with this awareness of an enemy or enemies that there is also the metaphor of war. Because when you have an enemy, most likely it's not for good purposes. That's why they're enemies. And uh, the Bible talks about war. There is obviously what we call the uh, earthly wars, which we know. We see countries getting into arguments about leaders threatening each other. But then there is that one war that each and every one of us finds ourselves having to fight every day. We call those the spiritual warfare. Uh, which is interesting because uh, as children of God, we know we have to fight some days, and some days more than others. I got ready to get off the uh, train one day, and uh, somebody was obviously in a hurry more than I was. And so they figured that I just happened to be standing in the way of where they were going. And so they decided that the best way to help me out of the way is for me to be out of the way. And as a Christian, you have to step back and say, okay, <laughs> we let that one go for now. So we do find ourselves in spiritual warfare. And the funny thing is that we can't fight spiritual warfare with man-made weapons. Do I have a witness? The good news is that we don't fight spiritual warfare on our own either. Can somebody say amen? We don't fight spiritual warfare on our own and not with earthly weapons because spiritual warfare is fought with spiritual weaponry. Ah, the spiritual weaponry or spiritual weapons are for tearing down strongholds. At some point in our walk with Christ, it comes time to quit simply surviving and making it day to day and to begin overcoming, experiencing victory, defeating those emotional, psychological, and spiritual bullies that have tormented us day in and day out. And so you just can't stop yet. You just cannot stop yet. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the moving of your word that lets us know that you're here today. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Uh, move into our lives, Father in heaven. Go up and down the pews, Father in heaven. Find that one soul that has been struggling with one thing or another, be it health, Father in heaven, be it financial, Father in heaven. You know it because your word says you're the creator God and you know our coming in and our going out. And so I pray that you'll speak through me. Hide me behind the cross. May those who are hearing me not hear me. 
May they hear your Holy Spirit yes. speaking. I thank you because you will do it according to your will. Amen. I praise you and I praise your holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 I'll just fix this for a second. I notice that something is not where it needs to be and then we will proceed. I work with technology but sometimes technology can be super interesting. Okay, perfect. The book that was read to you, the book of 2 Kings chapter 13 verse 14 to 20 stood out to me as I was having devotion one morning. And sometimes you read the Bible and you fly through it. And you're thinking, okay, I read the Bible today, yeah. Check mark. That's all good. But something hits you when you read a certain scripture, you're like, oh, wait, wait a second, wait a second. There's a message there that God is trying to say to me. And all of a sudden, it started to occur to me, wait a second, there's, there's something big there that's happening. And, and, and as you read the book of uh, Second Kings that was read to you, and I'm not going to read through the whole thing, uh, I ask you to open your Bibles with me to, the, to that same book that was read to you, Second Kings chapter 13. Second Kings chapter 13, and we'll read from verse 14. And let's set the stage, because we have two individuals in this encounter. We have the great prophet, Elisha, and the reigning king of Israel, Joash. Now, some translations say Jehoash, but it's the same person. Uh, and, uh, you know, Elisha has now fallen ill. Now, when I was a child, I enjoyed reading about the prophets. And one of the prophets that stood out to me was Elisha. Just like Elijah. If you look through the Bible, you will notice that uh, Elisha has fallen ill. And as the verse tells us, this is the illness that will result in his death. And in an unusual show of affection between a king and a prophet. Joash weeps over the great man of God. And he speaks words that at first value might not mean much to you. And so we need to turn back to another scripture. And I'll invite you to just go back with me to the book of 2 Kings. And open with me to the book of uh, 2 Kings chapter 2. Chapter 2 of 2 Kings. And if you look at verse 9 through 12, here we have some famous departure. We have the famous departure of Elijah with Elisha at his side. Elisha has insisted on following Elijah and staying with him. Elijah has made sure that Elisha understood that this was the end. And Elisha confirmed that he knew what was going on because the children of the prophets told him, hey, don't you know what's going to happen? This man is going to be taken away from you. And so he stayed with Elijah to the end. Elijah made sure that Elisha understood that this was the end. And Elijah has taken his clock and struck the Jordan River. And the water has parted and both Elijah and Elisha have crossed on dry ground. 
And then Elisha, the younger, has asked Elijah for one thing and one thing alone. A double portion of his spirit. And, you know, then an unimaginable scene happens. If you look at verse 12, uh, a chariot of fire swoops down between them, picks up Elijah, and in what this was described as a whirlwind, Elijah, Elijah is whisked off into the heavens. And look at the words that Elijah, Elijah proclaims at this moment in uh, 2 Kings chapter 2, verse 12. He says, oh my father. What did it say? Are, are you looking at the same chapter that I'm looking at? Sorry, I'm going to fix this. He's saying in verse 12, uh, verse 12, he says, And Elisha saw it and he cried out, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and his horsemen. And so he saw him no more. And he took hold of his own clothes and tore them into pieces. Why? Because he had taken on a different role. So back to chapter 13, uh, and we'll go on to verse 15 now. Uh, verse 15 says, And Elisha said to him, Take a bow and some arrows. And he took himself a bow and some arrows. What's going on here? In this chapter, we're being given symbolic acts that Elisha is having King Joash to perform to ensure and reflect victory over his Syrian enemies. We're not just talking a small victory. Elisha wants to make sure that King Joash will experience total victory. Perhaps God wants you and I to experience total victory over the things that hold us back from being able to live our fullest as children of God. Amen. And so, we, as we read further on, it says, Elisha laid his hands on the king's hand. And in that day, that would have been a very clear alert and a sign to the king that the prophet is conveying a blessing upon him in the midst of all these acts. So Joash, the king, picks up his bow and arrows and shoots an arrow out the window, completing the first act. Remember, before he was told to shoot an arrow, he was told that he should have victory, complete victory over the Syrians. And so in total dependence and total obedience King Joah shoots the first arrow out of the window just like he was asked to do now he must have done it pretty well because as he does Elisha declares that Joash will have victory over Syria which is great oh but here now comes verse 18 verse 18 tells us that and he said, open the east window, and he opened it. And then Elijah said, shoot, and he shot, and you know, he's declared the victory. And then verse 18 says, then he said, take the arrows. And he took them, and he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. Strike the ground. 
A story is told of a professor who was teaching a group of medical students. This was one of the most brilliant professors ever. The students had nothing but total respect for him. So one day he came to class and he wanted to do an object lesson to the students. Remember these were medical students that were getting ready to graduate. I always make fun of my wife because she's in the medical practice. I tell her, you know what, I can make mistakes with computers and I'm not going to be in that much trouble because I can recover. But medical profession, in the medical profession, you simply cannot make mistakes. People die when you make mistakes. Lawsuits happen when you make mistakes. And so this professor wanted to make sure that these potential graduates were ready for the real world. And so he gave the students a very simple instruction. Right there in front of each and every student was one of those, uh, what do you call them, the, the, the petri dishes, you know, one of those experiment dishes sitting there with a the fluid. And so the professor told the students a very simple instruction. He took his finger, dipped it into the liquid, and he licked it. And he said, okay. He said, I'm happy to announce to you that sitting in front of you is somebody's urine sample. I want you to do the same thing that I did. The professor sat there and watched us as the students struggled with the idea of putting somebody else's fluid in their mouth and the professor was having a good time. You know why? Because the students missed a point. The professor dipped the index finger into the dish but he licked the middle finger. And it took somebody paying close attention to understand what it is that the professor was trying to say. So back to our story, sorry, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Back to our story, we do have instructions, clear instructions, strike the ground. And the story goes on to say that King Joash took three, three arrows I struck the ground three times and stopped. Who told him to stop? Why did he decide it was time to stop? Verse 19, if you read verse 19, it tells us uh, that uh, the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck five or six times, sorry, then you would have struck Syria until you had destroyed it. But now, but now you will strike Syria only three times. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters. There are enemies in our lives that God wants us to totally destroy. He does not want us to play nice with it. He does not want us to say, you know what? I think I've really, really, really beat him today. One of those things that we have in our lives is we know that we have to get victory over Satan. What do you say? Satan will always find a reason to come back and torment and hurt and molest 
and make us feel like we are not worthy. We are not able to gain total victory. And so the Lord wants us to know this morning, I came here to tell you that God wants you to obtain complete victory, not just a little bit, not just half a victory, not three victories, but complete victory over the enemies of your life. And so the man of God was upset. said, what's wrong with you? Why would you stop? Because if you had done as I told you to do, you would have obtained complete victory. Now if you've read your Bible, you know that the, the Syrians were one of those enemies that you don't fool around with. When you think that you've defeated them, they come back at you. When you think that you have them on their heels, they go regroup and come back again. And that's why God wanted King Joash to obtain complete victory over the Assyrians. And so verse 20 says that uh, then Elisha died and they buried him. And uh, <laughs> the raiding bands from Moab invaded the land in the spring of the year. Oh my. So many times we mock our success. We mock the effort that God would have us do when we're doing his work. I'll be the first one to admit. This is coming to October. At College Park, my home church, we run our nominating in the summer and then new people take over in October. And so you'll find that it's almost like clockwork. And I've been there for a little while now. And I'm not talking bad about my church. I'm pretty sure you have your own issues too. Uh, somebody say amen. <laughs> but you will find that uh, people get nominated and they're really excited to begin. And so they come up with plans and roadmaps and, and they want the budget for this and they want the church board to, to approve this. And then comes the time when things just haven't worked out as you envisioned. One of the most difficult things is for you to plan something, lay it in God's hands, ask for God's blessings, have that conviction in your heart that God wants you to do it. You have a ministry, you have planned with a pastor, you have planned with a church board, you have come to the church, you've pitched the idea, you've put up their billboard signs, you've gone out in the community and announced that this is happening. The Facebook is on point. Social media knows what you're doing and only to notice that things didn't go as you thought. And so often, oftentimes, this is how a lot of us deal with those areas in our lives uh, where we could have experienced true victory. We kind of waver at it. So you're coming to nominating committee. You know the nominating committee will be reading the names soon. And that means that I can finally take a break. I can finally pass that, that, that ministry to somebody else. I need a break. I'm tired. Things didn't work the way I wanted them to work. Maybe I can be a better supporting cast to somebody. Here's the key point. The man of God was upset because he couldn't stand.
land to see a wasted opportunity. Remember, King Joash was in front of a dying prophet. A prophet who had done many wondrous things. A prophet who no doubt had connection to God. And the prophet has done symbolic things to show King Joash that he is going to obtain victory. But the only thing that's left is for the king to follow instructions. And he gives it a half-wimpy effort. He didn't get a second chance. Because the prophet died. Many times we... <laughs> We start to play God. We say, you know what? I think the devil is having a rough time today. <laughs> I woke up. I read the scripture. Man, I am armed with the word of God. I'm going to go out into the world. And the world is going to know that I have God with me. And you come back home. You think, you know what? Yeah, I think the, the devil had a really rough time today. No, 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 no. God wants you to obtain complete Victory, complete victory. God, I don't believe that God wants us to merely tolerate oppression. What do you say? I don't think God simply wants us to tolerate oppression. No, no, no. I don't think that God wants us to tolerate old habits. I really don't think that God wants us to tolerate emotional discouragement. To tolerate those places in our lives, we fail time and time again to achieve true victory. I believe that God desires us to conquer those areas in our lives. I believe that he wants us, he desires that we mount behind Jehovah God. I believe that he wants us to follow the lead of the Lord of armies, Jesus Christ. He wants us to turn and face our foes and in the authority of Jesus Christ experience true victory. And as long as we live in this sinful earth, we will always be in enemy territory. Enemy territory is marked by conflict and strife. The enemy would love nothing more than to see God's children turn and run on their heels. God did not intend for his children, for Israel, his chosen nation, to be mocked, to be made fun of. God did not like it when he saw his children go to war haphazardly, unprepared, and then turn around and run in the enemy's presence. you know what? The enemy will try to give up. The, the enemy will try to give up after the first, second, even third try. He has a whole arsenal of weapons that he does come to us with. Oh, he definitely has some things he has used with some, of, with some great effect on God's children. Things like discouragement, past failures, things that will make you think. The other day I was having discussion with my wife and she said to me, she said, you've achieved a certain age now. How does it feel? I said, well, one thing that disturbs me sometimes is in the middle of all these beautiful things that God has done over my life, sometimes I see things that I didn't do as good as I should have. 
And I know I'm not alone in this congregation today. I know I'm speaking to a child of God who, despite everything that God has done in your life, you still look back and say, mm, I kind of failed there. But look, look at what Hebrews chapter 6 verse 11 says. He says, and we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope. Not just hope. Until the end. So that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Somebody say amen. amen. That is God's plan for us. The inheritance of the promises. But we have to avoid sluggishness, ladies and gentlemen. We have to avoid a lack of eagerness. Yes, we have to be willing to continue to well up with hope and strike the enemy with a passion that will bring about true and enduring victory. You just can't stop yet. You can't stop yet. Second Timothy chapter 1 verse 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power. Of love and a sound mind. God did not intend for us to be wimps. God did not intend for us to cower in front of our objects and our things that disturb us. God wants us to stand up. Stand up in Jesus Christ. He is the rock on which we stand. I believe that many times God's children have not won the victory God intended for us because we have chosen to fight our earthly battles with earthly weapons and weaponry and experience and human intelligence. We trust the psychologists and the motivational speaker who tells us that you have the power to fix yourself. Come on, somebody. Yes. There's nothing wrong with fixing yourself, but you also need God who created you to fix you. There are areas in your life that you ought to do better. But yes, you need God's power to help you fix yourself. But also, we listen to critics. And all of us have those. We have those critics who criticize our lives. And some of them are close to us. And when they speak, we give up. We feel beat. We feel weighed down. Yes, yes, yes. I come to tell you that those critics will tell you there's something wrong you've done in your life. Come here, let me tell you. If Job, the man of God, had some of those in his life, surely you have one of those. That's why the song says, this arm of flesh will fail you. You dare not trust your own. Stand up for Jesus. Stand in his strength alone. And likewise, in our spiritual journey, in our lives, we attempt to live for God in opposition to the enemy. I believe that we will either pursue the enemy or he will pursue us. Yes, yes he will. And sometimes he will, we will not experience victory until we turn and face our enemy in Jesus Christ alone. Can I make a suggestion? The role of the child of God the Christian is to extend grace and mercy. But that does not apply to when you're dealing 
with Satan. We should not sit around and say, man, I think I'll show mercy today. No, 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 no. Folks, Satan has his forces of evil. They are to be struck through and through until they are unable to rise, destroyed, and consumed. So let's get practical, ladies and gentlemen. What am I trying to say today? Pick your arrows wisely. Pick your arrows wisely. Spiritually, the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. That's an offensive weapon. Are you reading it? Can you see it? Yes? You're supposed to be familiarizing yourself with how it works. Keep it dusted off. Don't keep your Bible on the shelf and say, I have the word of God. And I love my dad. He was such a, an amazing man. He's still an amazing man. I love him. I'm going to see him in October and I can't wait in, in Kenya. But my dad had this huge Bible that was never opened. And he, you dare not as a child be found messing with that Bible. There were Bibles we could read, but he said, this is the spiritual what? The shields. When we keep this on the shelf, the demons know that God's presence is in this house. And one time, my dad was going through to meetings, from meeting to meeting. My dad was one of those workaholics. And I don't know what it was, but he took this Bible, this huge Bible. I have to say, it must have weighed about eight, eight, eight kilograms or something like that. But he took this big Bible with him and none of us noticed it. And so he's gone for a little while and we get a phone call. Hey, have you heard from your dad today? I say, what kind of question is that? In Kenya, we didn't have cell phones at the time. When dad went, he went. Yeah. There are times when dad went to do crusades and he was gone for 16 weeks. We didn't hear from him. We knew he was under the protection of Almighty. But on this day, dad took this big Bible that never left the shelf. And would you know, that day... He got into an accident with a train. Dad was so busy concentrating on the work of God. He was so focused on where he was going. He came to a railroad crossing. He didn't hear the train honking. With all the blaring of the horn, Dad did not hear that. Dad was driving. And as you know, the trains don't stop for nobody. Even when they apply that brake, it's going to take a while. And the train impacted dad almost where the engine sits and dragged him 200 feet. And as people are coming around and we get the news, dad was in an accident. What? What? He was in an accident with a train? How is that even possible? Dad is the most careful person you know. And would you know, that Bible was sitting in his car that day. I don't know what caused him to dust it. I don't know what caused him to take it with him, but he had this big old Bible with him in the car. So pick your arrows wisely. Pick your arrows wisely. Let's go back to basics. Let's go back to basics. Plug back into the word of God. Time is going. I have to move on now. The, the book of Psalm chapter 1 verse 1 to 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor sits in the path of sinners, nor sits no, sorry, stands in the path of sinners, no, sits in the seat of the scornful. 
of the scornful. Do you see that? So if you want to prosper and win the fight against the enemy, it is time to stop relying on human weaponry and fight your spiritual battles uh, without relying on human psychology. That's the counsel of the ungodly. I want to believe that. You know, you know uh, he, he goes on to say that, uh, 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 you know, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and his law, in his law he, shall, he meditates day and night. You know, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever, whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. So do you want to prosper against the enemy? Let's go back to basics. Avoid, avoid sitting in, sitting in the council of the ungodly. Avoid standing in the path of sinners. And we know that we have, we have a few of those in our lives. We have those that we call close friends. People that, that are within the circle of influence. Uh, you know, he goes on to say, do not sit in the seat of the scornful. It is time to delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on the word of God every day and night. The Bible says that if you do this, if you do this, you will obtain victory in, on some of the key areas in your life. You know, if you, have, if, if, if you are going to rely on the word of God, if you are going to meditate on what, what the word of God says, God says that whatsoever you do shall prosper. And then... We also need to stand firm. We need to stand firm. Therefore, having fastened the belt of truth around, the, around your our waist and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. You just can't stop yet. You got to stand firm. The enemy will come, but you got to stand firm. You got to stand with the breastplate of righteousness, having put that on. And then Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 11 tells us to keep striking. King Joash made a mistake of stopping after three counts. Perhaps you've identified in an area in your life where the enemy has had victory over your life. You are already on a spiritual journey fighting a certain battle in your life. You have prayed about it. You've laid out a spiritual strategy, a plan of attack. Ecclesiastes says, it tells us that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to how many? All. So you can't give up. You can't quit. You got to put on the breastplate of righteousness. You got to put on the right tools. So as to meet the enemy. You got to be on the offense, not on defense. Number three, have some patience. Some, some battles will take a while before victory becomes evident. If you have picked up your arrows wisely and are following the word of God, meditating upon it day and night, you are continuing to strike as the word of God has already instructed you to do. The book of Isaiah says, but those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You just can't stop yet. 
you just can't stop yet. The next point, you need to repent and return to God. Please hear me this afternoon when I tell you not, that not all struggles, not all challenges, not all places of bondage and uh, frustration and defeat are the result of sin. However, I think that they are all too, we, are, we are all too quick to blame the enemy for struggles in our lives. Even without being willing to search our own lives. David, in the book of Psalms, says, Search me, O Lord, and know my heart today. See if there is any evil thought in me. Clean it, Lord. And in Galatians chapter 5, verse 1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled with the bondage again. This is the beauty of the Christian walk, ladies and gentlemen. This is the beauty of the Christian walk. Because we can see all that stuff. We can take it to our Heavenly Father. We can repent of it. We can ask God to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and experience the refreshing cleansing of the Holy Spirit once again. And so if you forgot what I said today, I came to tell you, you cannot quit, you cannot stop yet. Pick up your arrows wisely. Keep striking. Have some patience. Repent and return to God. Jesus Christ, the Lord of hosts, is standing before us, sword drawn, ready for battle. The hand of the Holy Spirit upon us is prepared to bless us, prepared to deliver the enemy into our hands. Victory is at our stop, our doorstep. But you just can't stop yet. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for your word that you have spoken today. Thank you for holding me steady so that I could deliver your word. I thank you, Lord, for the victory that has been promised to us in the name of Jesus. And so, Father, I pray that these words will find room in our hearts. That Holy Spirit, you continue to work with us each and every day. Help us to stay plugged in. Help us, Lord, to meditate upon your word. Help us to choose good friends. And Father, help us not to listen to those who tell us that we are sinful human beings and we are doomed to this world of sin. Your word says that you are coming soon and you will be able to deliver, to deliver us from this world. We can't wait to go to heaven with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.